Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation at Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Saturday, July 1st, 2023. It's a new month. and uh, But our Saturday catechesis through the summer, with maybe a few exceptions, we'll continue what we do Monday through Friday. So, Monday through Saturday, uh, we read continuous readings and discuss those, and then uh, Sundays, of course, we have our Sunday lectionary. Uh, as you can tell, the internet is working. <laughs> the whole building uh, is wired, and uh, if you don't know, the reason we did this was um, that we could get funding to replace the internal wiring through E-Rate, which is the FCC program that we use to subsidize our internet, which is for um, schools and libraries. They also have a subsidy for um, replacing internal um, infrastructure as well, um, just for the school, obviously not for the church. And it's at the same subsidy rate that we have um, for our internet, which was 65%. So we were able to um, hire a contractor to replace the wiring, and we'll have 65% of it covered with a federal grant, which is like $14,000, so it's quite a bit of uh, money. But uh, we didn't just replace the existing wiring, we actually um, added additional capacity so that uh, it's already now wired uh, for cameras, for door access, well, at least the internet portion of door access, uh, but internet cameras, internet-based phones, um, and that will prepare us uh, for whatever the use of the rooms are. And, plus, and some things that we were, we were running only wirelessly are, are now wired, which will increase their reliability. So uh, glad that it's over. It was quite the project this week to I didn't have to do a lot of manual labor, but uh, plenty of questions and answers and uh, walkthroughs and revisions and all of that kind of fun times. Uh, but now it's wired, wired. And uh, even this connection probably will be a little bit more reliable as a consequence. So good to have you here with us this morning. And let's begin our devotion. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, hopefully you knew that by heart. <laughs> I did not change it up on the screen. I just did it by memory too. All right, our psalm for the week, um, Psalm 103. Before we pray it today, let me uh, share meditation on the psalm, and that way, um, well, we can add a little bit more context to the psalm. All right, so this is from... Um, Father Reardon, who was an Episcopalian and then became an Orthodox priest in Chicago area. Lovely book on Christ in the Psalms. All right. Psalm 102, Hebrew 103, is another of those psalms in which the believer addresses mainly his own soul. It both commences and ends with the invitation, Bless the Lord, O my soul. All right, so we're not going to pray the ending of it, but it does end that way. This psalm is an outstanding illustration of that special quality of Christian prayer that we may call the interiorization of sacred history. The interior 
Ization of sacred history, fun word to say. That dimension of the Bible that St. John Cassian calls its third sense. A word of explanation may be in order here. The second sense of Holy Scripture, following Cassian's schema, is its relationship to our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom the Bible is fulfilled. All right, so the second sense is the Scripture's relationship to our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom the Bible is fulfilled. He is the exegetical key. He is the Lamb who opens up the seven seals of its mysteries, Revelation 5. Any reading of Holy Scripture, then, that attempts to bypass its fulfillment in Christ will attain only to the letter that kills, not to the Spirit that gives life. But we Christians, precisely because we are in Christ, also read the Bible as our own book. The Bible is the word directed to our hearts, the perfect law of liberty that reflects our own natural faces, James 1, 23-25. The lengthy story of God's dealing with his people is the history of our own souls. Quote, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Romans 15.4 When you pray, wrote St. Jerome, you speak to the bridegroom. When you read the Bible, he speaks to you. The reading of Holy Scripture is thus a privileged locus of the Christian's dialogue with the Lord. For the soul in Christ, the Bible is preeminently the book of the heart, where we study our own history and come to know our own identities in Christ. This third sense of Scripture corresponds to what Bernard of Clairvaux meant when he called the Bible, quote, the book of experience. It means that we do not correctly interpret the Bible except in permitting the Bible to interpret us. I've uh, described it differently, maybe using Francis Schaeffer's scheme, which is to say that the Bible presents to us a way of viewing the world, or what got shortened to a worldview. Right? We can't understand the world ourselves, uh, the church, uh, relationships, uh, anything in life, apart from God's word. Apart from God's word, it seems arbitrary, um, malicious, um, incoherent. Our lives seem to be full of chaos and disorder, or forced order, um, out of chaos, none of which is seems to be guided by God. Of course, we uh, we have to drill down on that. Is God actually a Lord of Lords and God of Gods, King of Kings? And if that's true, which it is, then uh, what does that mean for all the things we experience in this life? All right, so worldview. Here, it's called the book of experience. One observes in, Psalm, in the psalm this great effort to take into one's own heart God's manifold acts of mercy all throughout the history of the Bible. This is the God who made his ways known to Moses, his deeds to the children of Israel. This is the historical God of the covenant and of the commandments. Quote, the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. It is to this interiorization of the commandments, this quote-unquote remembrance of the everlasting covenant, that this psalm summons the soul. Forget not all his benefits, he forgives all your iniquities. This inner knowledge of the forgiving mercy of God is the substance of the covenant that we have with God in Christ. For this is the covenant, quote, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34, quoted by Hebrews 8, 10 and 12. This knowledge of the true God is inseparable from the forgiveness of our sins. 
quote, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Luke 1, verse 77. That's an important point. Oh, and something that we have in common with Pat, uh, Father Reardon here, uh, we might think we, we didn't, but we do, right? That knowledge of the true God is inseparable from the forgiveness of sins. Can't know him apart from forgiveness. In the psalm, then, the soul is called to the contemplation of God's infinite forgiving mercy. Quote, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor renewed us according to our, or rewarded us according to our iniquities. End quote. Indeed not, for while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 verse 8. This is a psalm appropriately to be prayed in front of an icon of the cross. For only in the crucified Jesus is it truly fulfilled. The four dimensions of the cross, its length and breadth, height and depth, are the dimensions of God's mercies. mercy. For as the heaven is above, high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I've never really thought of that as a cruciform description. Height, depth, east, and west. Ah, beautiful. This chesed of, or mercy of God is not a hazy benevolence. It, is, it has a definite history that climaxes in specific acts of salvation. Quote, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. 1 Peter 3.18 And again, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. 1 John 3, verse 16. This psalm is a psalm, then, to be kneaded carefully into the leaven of the soul. Ooh. This is a psalm, then, to be kneaded carefully into the leaven of the soul, for it is concerned with the blood forgiveness we receive in Christ our Lord. It may especially be uh, recommended as part of one's regular thanksgiving after the sacrament of confession. All right. Well said. So let's pray the psalm. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. Lovely. Let's confess our memory verse for the week. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. 1 Timothy 1, verse 15. And the Christian questions and their answers. Question 15. What should we do when we eat his body and drink his blood and in this way receive his pledge? Answer. We should remember and proclaim his death and the shedding of his blood as he taught us. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Question 16. Why should we remember and proclaim his death? Answer. 
First, so that we may learn to believe that no creature could make satisfaction for our sins. Only Christ, true God and man, could do that. Second, so we may learn to be horrified by our sins and to regard them as very serious. Third, so we may find joy and comfort in Christ alone and through faith in him be saved. All right. Yeah, it's plenty cool in here at the moment. Um, oh, let's greet those of you in the chat. Thanks for checking in. Uh, those of you watching or listening live, we've got uh, Michael and Vicky, Gus and Eileen, and Kevin, uh, looks like mom as well, all on YouTube. And uh, Chris has checked in on Facebook. All right. I have encouraged you to kind of migrate over to YouTube. It seems to be more reliable with um, uh, notifications and when we go live, but also it, uh, well, it is the final repository of all video. <laughs> so um, every service and whatnot is available there. Not everything is uh, available live on, uh, well, the Sunday service and, sun and Wednesday evening service is not posted to Facebook. So just the sermon. Okay, good to have you with us especially uh, Kevin. I don't think you've joined us before, at least not checked in. So let's read our first reading from Isaiah chapter 27. In that day, sing to her, quote, a vineyard of red wine. I, the Lord, keep it. I water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I keep it night and day. Fury is not in me. Who would set briars and thorns against me in battle? I would go through them. I would burn them together or let him take hold of my strength that he may, or yes, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. Those who come, he shall cause to take root in Jacob. Israel shall blossom and blood, or bud, excuse me, and fill the face of the world with fruit. Right, so the stump of Jesse is out, will come out of that root or stump will come Israel, a new Israel, blossoming and budding, filling the world with fruit. Right, of course that's all comes through his strength and his peace right? The Lord is the one who does it. Plants the vineyard, waters it, cares for it, as Isaiah says. All right, and then our reading for catechesis uh, now is continuation of Matthew chapter 11. Remember yesterday, Jesus went about um, the cities and villages preaching in them. That's where we left off. Um, that was after his catechesis of the disciples turn apostles, um, what their experience will be like as they go forth preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand as well. All right. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see, the blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen one greater than John the Baptist, but he is, or he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and a violent ticket by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing uh, to receive it, 
He is Elijah who is to come. He was ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions and saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He is a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. Okay probably heard many a sermon on this text. It is um, assigned, well, at least in the one-year series, uh, we hear it every um, Advent season, being the gospel text for one of the uh, two Sundays of John in Advent, preparing the way for Jesus. All right, so we hear who's in prison. John, which John? John the Baptist, all right? And uh, what did he do? He sent two of his disciples to Jesus, right, with a question, right? If he was the coming one, that is the Messiah, or should they be looking for another? And then Jesus points to what to answer the question? Go tell John the things that you see are here and see. So hearing first, then seeing. Blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Beautiful, right? All, uh, according to Jesus here then, evidence is that he is the coming one. These are the things that they should look forward to. Of course, um, as we heard in, or, and will hear in Isaiah, these are the sorts of things that have been prophesied from of old of the coming one. All right. What does he mean when he says, blessed is he who is not offended because of me? Okay. The works of Jesus for our salvation are a scandal to us or an offense to us, at least according to the old Adam. All right. Um, so you, you can see this if you pay attention to um, secular folks, agnostic or otherwise, um, especially the the radical atheists, um, or not quite as influential as they once were, but there's a group of folks that called themselves that, radical atheists, is that they find the suffering and death of Jesus to be a scandal and an offense. Right? Why? Why are they offended by Jesus suffering and dying for them, for their sins? Because they lack faith, and that's the key. Right? So apart from the giving of the Holy Spirit, um, one cannot see the cross of Christ uh, for what it is, but rather for what it appears. Mm. So one must hear in order to see correctly. Why had people gone out to see John? Now he's going to catechize all the other folks, right? They went out to see him because they believed him to be a prophet, right? That's verse 9, finally. He, he eliminates some of the other options, and finally it's a prophet. Yes, I say to you, right? And more than a prophet. And then he quotes a prophetic text. This is from Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, for it is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you, right? So John is the messenger who comes before. Um, By the way, in Malachi chapter 3, it's a great chapter to read. We always hear it uh, again during Advent. It might even be appointed for the same Sunday. I can't remember, right? But it, it speaks of the Lord coming suddenly into his temple to purify the sons of Levi and to bring judgment upon those who do not believe in him. So that's the context. So John comes preparing those for the coming of Jesus, which um, is both for forgiveness, um, but also for judgment. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen one greater than John the Baptist. So as far as earthly estimation, John is the most significant. But the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Well, who's the least in the kingdom of heaven? Who takes the lowest seat? That's actually Jesus. Ah, 
Jesus does not take the seat of, of honor, right? He's given the seat of honor by his Father in his resurrection and ascension to the right hand of the Father. But he doesn't start, he, uh, how does, um, well, Isaiah prophesies this way in Isaiah 52, 53, um, but I'm thinking of, he humbled himself um, to the point of death, being obedient to the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and has given him the name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right, so that's the text. Somebody will have to tell me what that is. I know it's Paul, but I can't remember which book. All right, I need to, I need to memorize scripture uh, with citation attached as well. All right, so Jesus is the least of the kingdom of heaven, right? Especially at this point in his humility. And uh, now it says the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Um, so what are the what is he talking about there with the violence towards the kingdom of heaven? You might think this sounds more, you know, similar to the catechesis he was doing about martyrdom. Um, and that's possible, I think, too. Here, Deuteronomy 22, right? I'm not going to read all of it. Um, just read the last part here. Deuteronomy 22. If a man finds a betrothed young woman in the countryside and the man forces her and lies with her, then only the man who lay with her shall die. But you should do nothing to the young woman. There is in the young woman no sin deserving of death. For just as a man arises against his neighbor and kills him, even so is it in this matter. Right? So we have this betrothal. For he found her in the countryside, and the betrothed young woman cried out, but there was no one to save her. If a man finds a young, young woman who is a virgin who is not betrothed, and he seizes her and lies with her, and they are found out, then the man who lay with her shall give... Um, the young woman's father, 50 shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife because he has humbled her, and he shall not be per- permitted to divorce her all his days. All right. So we have, um, I don't know, maybe this is a, a stretch, but it sounds, you could apply that text to say uh, the men are trying to seize the virgin bride of Christ, that's the church, um, to take away her robes of righteousness, to expose her shame, um, and then to join her in harlotry with all their false gods. This is um, this is the language of Ezekiel we've heard many times. Right? And sometimes she's a willing participant. Sounds like here that the, the church is not the willing uh, participant, but rather it's, it's forced upon her. Hmm. That's rough. All right, so how did the violent men take it by force? Of course, we'll see um, all sorts of ways in the actual life and experience of Jesus. How about Matthew uh, 12? Uh, we have the strong man entering or the one entering the strong man's house and plundering his goods and binding the strong man, plundering his house, right? Of course, that's Je- actually describing Jesus. Um, the parable of the sower, right? One hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. The wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside, right? So we have the devil is the one who's constantly coming and attacking um, and trying to destroy the preaching of the gospel to tear away from you and from the church, the good news of forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. Okay. Um, now, to whom does Jesus compare John? If you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. Again, um, this is more Malachi. Matthew is very dependent on Malachi here in this section. Malachi chapter 4, um, verses 4 through 6. Why don't I just read that for you? Malachi 4, 4. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. 
and he will turn the hearts of fathers to the children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Ah, so we see part of John's job is actually to, um, in Christ Jesus, in the proclamation of forgiveness in Jesus' name, to um, reconcile what was what Jesus described would happen, the conflict of faith that would happen uh, between uh, even family members and within the household of faith, as Kevin says, <laughs> describing the church. All right, so we have, uh, again, John has, has this prophetic office that was foretold, and he is fulfilling that. Then Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What does he mean by that? Jesus, this is actually a prayer, I would suggest, a petition from Jesus. Um, that that we would be given um, ears to hear his words in faith and believe, right? Just as some heard and believed in the days of Elijah. The prayer for faith is what I would suggest. Of course, it's true that not all will believe in faith, right? The Spirit blows when and where he wills, but that's still Jesus' prayer for you. What does Jesus say about his generation? Uh, we see this in verse 16, right? They're like children in the marketplace. So this is an analogy, basically, that he can be commanded to do whatever... Um, you know, whatever they want, calling out to their companions, right, to carry out their every whim. So what were the opposite complaints then um, that were leveled against John and Jesus? It doesn't seem like they're controllable. <laughs> they're outside um, the control, especially of the religious leaders, right? So we have these opposite complaints leveled between them. John did not eat or drink, so he must have had a demon. I don't know why. And uh, the son of man come, that's Jesus. He ate and drank, so he must be a glutton and a wine bibber, a drunkard. Okay, Jesus often points out how uh, absurd the accusations are because they're, especially here, because they're not uh, um, consistently applied. We'd say, of course, they've said they they also said about Jesus that he had a demon. We just had that a few verses ago, um, back, and we'll have it again. Yeah, it was back in chapter ten, right, where he said you cast out demons by the ruler of demons. By the way, that text from chapter ten that we talked about earlier this week. Um, was the context for um, the reading that we did on Banned Books podcast yesterday. So um, you can go find the video version of that. Oh, it's a very long conversation. It was really um, an engaging um, chapter of a book by uh, Rene Girard. Yeah, uh, the comment, you can't win. Um, not when um, you refuse to be controlled, all right? So um, if you're going to act independently um, according to um, the truth, especially the truth that's been revealed in Jesus, um, you're, you are, you're not easily controlled. You can't be enslaved. Right? You'll be free, actually, free in Christ, to act in love and charity towards neighbor and in faith toward God. And there's nothing um, that those who try to control fear more than those who are outside of control, whether it's Rome or it's the Pharisees in the scriptures, or even to our own day, our own various um, elitist class that try to control people. Right? But um, we submit to no one but but Jesus, right? And all other authorities are to be submissive to Jesus as well, right? And when they go against Jesus' word, then we also um, are commanded by God um, to disobey them. Hmm. And where they act in accordance with God's word, of course, we follow along. And I I suggest a lot of the decisions are actually somewhat uh, um, ambiguous, right? They're not explicitly against God's word or for, um, and so then we can just uh, submit. Just out of love, all right. But yes, um, if we the fact that we uh, exercise uh, wisdom according to God's word is an offense to those who want to enslave. What is the uh, meaning then of that last sentence? Oh, did we miss a verse? 
Uh, da, da, da. Oh, it's it's omitted from New King James. Is that right? Hold on a minute. Matthew 11. He was ears, ears to hear, let him hear. Huh. Tax collector. Oh, no, there it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, where did it go? But wisdom is justified by her children. What does he mean by that? Wisdom justified by her children. I'm sorry, I couldn't. I guess my eyes aren't working today. For this, I would suggest you want uh, Paul's ex long excursus. Well, it's not even excursus. It's foundational um, to his catechesis of the Church of Corinth, 1 Corinthians, in that, in that book. So go look at chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, um, where it speaks how Christ is both the power and the wisdom of God. Right? Uh, for example, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Is it power? Yeah, dynamite. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the, is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Right? The foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. Go check that out. 1 Corinthians 1. All right. True wisdom is revealed by the new life that is raised up in us, right? By Jesus. So it's actually the baptized who are the wise ones. Hmm. Having been given um, the wisdom that is revealed by God the Holy Spirit, working through the Word. John's inquiry about Jesus and Jesus' discussion of John follows Jesus' description of the office of the Holy Ministry back in chapter 10. How are we to know that Jesus is the one who came for our salvation and that there is no other? It was not the dress, personality, or social skills that marked Jesus as the coming one, but his preaching and the miracles which which accompanied his preaching. The preaching of John used the law to kill and then offered the comforting gospel to all who had ears to hear that the servant was coming to suffer for sin and to free men. Even from prison, John was pointing his disciples to Christ that they might have ears to hear. John had called sinners out from their life of sin so that those same sinners quickly gathered around Jesus as the one who preached the good news. Jesus would reveal that the true wisdom of God is to be found at the cross, for there, for there God offers the only solution to the sinful disobedience of men. Yep, children of God, Chris says, and that question mark, but that is the answer. Wisdom, Jesus, is justified by her children. Um, Jesus, I know wisdom is given the, the feminine here, but then like I said, um, the apostles rightly understand Jesus is the fulfillment of wisdom, is true wisdom. And uh, children born of wisdom are born of God. Exactly. Good. We're going to pick up where we left off there on Monday. All right. Um, Have we talked about our hymn? I don't think we have because we've had all those commemorations. So let me give you a little bit of an introduction on the hymn. All right. We've been singing it all week. Uh, It's really a lovely hymn. Quite easy to sing. Let's get the background. Johann Franck, 1618 to 1677, was a lawyer, poet, and a devout Christian. His hymns reflect the personal faith and piety of a man who truly called Jesus my joy, as in the German first line of his Jesus Priceless Treasure, same composer, or same author, 743 in LSB. If his hymnody, hymnody lacks the objectivity of German writers before him, it excels in demonstrating that the Christian is not remote from the Lord, but personally connected to him through word and sacrament. All right, so as we heard from uh, a suggestion from John Cassian, um, that's the third sense of scripture that it's about, or it's it's for you, right? Is how we would say it as Lutherans. It's not just um, about things that happened. It's not just uh, fulfilled in Christ, um, but it is written for you and for your learning. Right? So that 
Uh, the author here is suggesting that's what Franck is doing. Lord to you I make confession first appeared in a, a 1648 hymnal compiled by Johann Kruger, the musical associate of hymn writer Paul Gerhardt. All right, so Kruger composed a lot of the tunes that go with the Gerhardt hymns, and has become one of the author's better known and loved contributions to the Christian sung faith. It was originally written in eight stanzas, the first, third, seventh, and eighth of which appear in LSB in a slightly modified version of the 1863 translation by Catherine Winkworth, 1827-1878. In its original publication, the hymn was categorized under the heading, quote, For the Forgiveness of Sins. In some earlier hymnals, it was placed with hymns for Lent, but TLH, 1941, LW, 1982, Christian Worship, 1993, and LSB all place it with the confessional hymns, a helpful reminder that repentance is ongoing in the life of Christians who need never to be without the comfort of God's forgiving word. All right. So it is the hymn of the day for Trinity 3. That was last Sunday. All right. Uh, Let's see. I don't have the other stanzas, but I'll have to look for those at some point. Lord to thee I make confession back in uh, TLH. All right. So let's sing it. Reconciled and 
set me free. Jesus cross alone can vanquish these dark fears and soothe this anguish. Lord, on you I cast my burden, sink it in the deepest sea. Let me know my gracious pardon, reconciled and set me free. Okay, it looks like um, Miss Catherine Winkworth only translated the five of the eight, and then, uh, of course, we dropped the one stanza, um, which would be stanza two. All right, so our stanza two here is stanza three in the original. Where is refuge from thee lying? Thou, O God, art everywhere. Should I o'er the sea go flying? Should I go, or should I to the grave repair? Would the wind's swift wing unfold me? Even there thy hand would hold me. Right, so you think of the psalmist, but also maybe the story of Jonah, right? Where can I go to flee from your presence? If I go to even to Sheol, you are there. Uh, if I go to heaven, you are there, right? Why well, keep trying to run away? Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Where are you hiding? So uh, my friend who has often recovered many of these stanzas um, has not translated yet stanzas four, five, and six <laughs> from German. He says, coming soon on his website, uh, but the German text is available. So let me see, maybe, if it's going to load, and then we can do a quick translation of it, perhaps. All right, so that while that's loading, maybe we'll come back to that. His website is running very slow. He needs to work on his website. No commemoration today, so we'll continue with the collect for the day. Oh God, the protector of all who trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, and nothing is holy. Multiply your mercy on us that with you as our ruler and guide we may so pass through things temporal that we lose not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for faithfulness to the end, for the renewal of those who are withering in the faith or have fallen away, and for pastors as they prepare to administer Christ's holy gifts. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray this day in Thanksgiving with Wyatt, celebrating his birthday. And pray for the households of our church, especially Doug and Nicole, Wendell and Amy, Katrina, Dwayne and Pam, Dick and Milda, Dan and Liz. We pray for our catechumens. We pray for um, those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Dale and Pam, Joe, Kelsey, Christopher, Marcy, Brad, Gus and Eileen, Ron, Doug, Bev, Jim, Pat, Wendell, and Darlene. Pray for our homebound. Pray for the missions of mercy work of the church. And we pray this month with our mission of the month, the service to our community, Safe Harbor in Sheboygan. It's a women's shelter. Um, we pray intercession, continuing to, for Dasha and her family, that they find new housing. Continue to pray for Matt's mom, Donna, treated for stroke. 
For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. Um, All right, let's do a rough translation of the missing stanzas from German. Again, I don't think Catherine uh, Winkworth translated them, at least not that I can find. All right, so, Kunt ein Mensch den Sand gleich Seelen an dem weiten Mittelmeer. All right, so, can a human, can a man, um, count the sand right away, um, which is as wide as the middle mirror, that's the Mediterranean. Nevertheless, he would uh, probably miss that he is that he has an, an army of sins, a legion of sins, and that uh, he, all my infirmities, should know how um, to pronounce, pronounce them, to declare them. Ah, wine, vine. (laughs) When ah, crying out now, um, my my two eyes are like brooks, right, of streams. Oh, that I had enough tears um, to mourn my schmuck, my my schmuck. That's my disgrace. Oh, that from a thronenbrunen, from a fountain of tears, um, come I if a mighty stream had flown or flowed, ah, um, that the severe floods uh, flooded Uberschmenten uh, my face, yeah, flooded my face, and my eyes were even to bleed, because otherwise I would, <laughs> um, the water would break, and oh, that the um, sea waves would want to swell up. All right, so I can see maybe why they left this out. He's got three stanzas basically about his eyes just about him crying over his sins. <laughs> Not, nothing particularly wrong about that, but uh, three stanzas. And it's just like, oh, they're like, yeah, it gets a little bit, uh, a little bit sappy. <laughs> well, there you go. Maybe we don't need those stanzas. Someday, perhaps. All right, so that's it for our congregation of prayer today. And uh, again, you can join us tomorrow for divine service at nine o'clock in person. If you uh, aren't able to attend here in person, I encourage you to attend a, a faithful preaching and teaching and administrating the sacrament congregation somewhere near you. And um, if you're a member of our parish, though, uh, and you want visitation, you can always call me for that if you're really, truly unable to attend in person. And also, um, we'll post the service, Bible class, and um, sermon as a video on the YouTube platform later and uh, on the podcast platforms also. So. That's also an option, um, although it's, you know, not the preferred option. Okay, well, with that, I bid you fond farewell, and we'll see you again in the morning.
We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.